1: 69 if you know what I mean of two five and ten uh everybody Benny what up
0: I we're breaking the news here personal news but I am looking forward to this Sunday and your return to Madison Square Garden the world's most famous arena the first time since you saw Nigel Dawes put the stake through the Bruins heart in a shootout
1: yes I mean uh is it my first return? No, it's not my it's not my first return to New York though, but uh yes, first return back to MSG. This has been done over completely, right? Or allegedly or something like that?
0: Yeah, they put a billion dollars into Holy MSG shit. over the last like 5 to 7 years.
1: That is a lot of money. Youch. Um yeah, I'm excited. Sunday 3:30. Uh me, you, Big Kev and Mr. Murphy. We are going to go right down 6th Ave, and we are going to have a party. Uh, Hockey Day in America. I'm hoping to just be bundled. Um, I'm, try- <laughs> I'm trying to make NBC. Uh, this should be interesting, to say the least. Uh, 24 hours in New York, just going to hit play and see what happens.
0: Yeah, and that billion-dollar innovation is being paid for by the beers that you're going to be buying. So have fun with that.
1: Yes, Um We are going to owe Mr. Murphy a lot of beer, so you better ask the First Lady for that credit card, the really shiny (laughs) one. Uh, Increase my
0: weekly allowance.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I got to ask Big Red for the black card this week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But going into it, outside of that fun and exciting stuff, uh, a couple of teams getting at it before the trade deadline, uh, trying to better themselves beforehand. What we got this week?
0: Yeah, so our two... I guess most notable trades of the deadline so far. Deadline's coming up in, what is it, two weeks? Two
1: Little weeks Washington, away, yeah. Two weeks yep.
0: um, So the first trade was between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Los Angeles Kings. The Kings traded goaltender Jack Campbell and winger Kyle Clifford to the Maple Leafs for Trevor Moore, a third-round pick in 2020, which originally belonged to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and a conditional third-round pick In 2021, that could become a second-round pick uh, for L.A. if all the uh, incentives are hit. What are your thoughts on the trade? I know Toronto has been looking for a goaltender to kind of back up Anderson for a while now. Uh, This trade was basically made immediately after the Rangers beat Toronto at MSG with Michael Hutchinson in that. So maybe that kind of spurred things along.
1: Yeah, I think it definitely spurred things along. Hutchinson has been lackluster at best this year for them and not really giving freddie the rest that he needs and then on top of it once as that injury came into anderson i think just toronto in general was kind of put on their heels and had to do something uh going with the trade i'm actually surprised that la gave up campbell for that little in a sense uh, i expected them knowing that Toronto needed this trade to maybe dangle it a little bit more but at the same time I think they were kind of getting Kyle Clifford off the books uh the draft picks I think are absolutely essential for LA in their rebuild right now so for them maybe it was just kind of we need something to look forward to so d- give us what you got on the other end I think it's a little reassuring for Toronto that Campbell still has another two years left. I think it's at 1-5 or 1-6, so at least he's locked up. And cost-wise for a team that is up against the cap big time, I, I think it's nice that they have a legitimate backup goaltender for such a low cost to them. So that should definitely help them out. As for what it does for them with Kyle Clifford in the lineup, I know we've discussed Kyle Clifford before on here and how he's on the back end of a career, but at the same time he goes into Toronto here and he's the only guy that's won a Stanley cop in that locker room. Yeah. And then the toughness factor of it, I know spin chicklets had talked about it a lot. The only thing for me is you're only putting one guy in the lineup that can kind of address it. And Obviously, it's a step in the right direction, so if someone does go after Marner or Matthews, you now have to deal with Kyle Clifford, and I get that. But at the same time, if someone goes and addresses it with Clifford, and he's off for five minutes, now there's no protection, so they're kind of back at square one. So maybe at the deadline, they get just a hair more tougher as well to kind of take the edge off Cliffy in a sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm not that impressed with Campbell. He's already 28 years old. Uh, I think he's an upgrade over Hutchinson. If that's all Toronto was looking for, then they accomplished their goal there. I just don't think he's somebody that, as you saw with uh, Anderson missing some time with the neck injury last week, if Anderson goes down or struggles, I don't think Campbell's the type of guy that's going to be able to step in and kind of shoulder that load a little bit. Uh, I mean, pretty low-risk move for them in terms of backup goaltending uh, acquisitions. Clifford, we know who he is at this point. He's a fourth liner, uh, decent penalty killer, brings some toughness. He's a free agent at the end of this season, so no long-term commitment there. He's great off the ice in you know, all of his years in Los Angeles. You keep hearing all these young guys come up and kind of heap some praise on him for being a great leader and a veteran presence in the, In the locker room, so that should help Toronto. Like you said, if they play Washington in the first round, it might help with uh, the Tom Wilson situation, even a team like Boston with Marchand. So it kind of changes the makeup of Toronto a little bit. For L.A., I mean, they got Trevor Moore's a fourth-liner, maybe a third-liner, just a different type of player than Kyle Clifford, and he's younger and cheaper, so, I mean, with more team control. So that's a win there. And the picks are picks. They're a lot of tickets. They didn't get a first-rounder, which is fine. Uh, but I think they did pretty solid in return for a average back-of-goaltender and a fourth-line winger who is on an expiring contract. So pretty solid return uh, for L.A. And a, you can see why Toronto made the trade.
1: Yeah, Toronto needed to do something. They were in dire straits. Yeah, and the
0: other big trade that was made, uh, the Penguins, I think they solved their Jake Gensel uh, situation here. They traded for Jason Zucker from Minnesota. They send Alex Galchenyuk, defense prospect, their number one prospect, and uh, Keelan Addison and a conditional 2020 first-round pick uh, for Zucker, so three-for-one there. What are your thoughts on this? Because... I I'm just curious about besides the fit with Zucker most likely playing on a wing with Crosby. Do you what do you think of the return from Minnesota? Uh
1: well, we've already discussed earlier in the year just Galchenyuk's unrestricted at the end of the year, so who knows if he stays or if he goes. Uh the first round pick is essential for them in a rebuild. Like they need picks. Uh, it is Pittsburgh, so the only thing is it's not going to be a top-tier pick. It'll be a later first round. But regardless, it's still a first-round pick. And that that defenseman's good that they ended up getting. So for them, I-, I think this is something that they need. As for Alex Galchenyuk, talk about a guy who's bounced around and still can't find a home. Like yeah. We we had him having a great year in Pittsburgh, just jumping into that lineup with those guys. And I know the Penguins were injury ridden this year, but at the same time, like he bounced around all over that lineup and, you know, Crosby, Malkin, he just couldn't hit it with anybody. Uh, I just wonder if he's on that big of a decline that it's, it's not looking good for him. So his big payday that he thought is definitely not coming going to the other side for a fit for Zucker. I mean, Jason Zucker is just one of those players that no matter where you put him in the lineup, he's going to he's gonna work. Like, he's just one of those guys that no matter where he goes, where he plays with, it's going to work. And for Pittsburgh, I mean, Jimmy Rutherford, hats off, the guy every trade deadline brings somebody in there to make the team better. Yep. Every year. L- like, it's crazy that, he can still do it. They're up against the cap every year. He makes it work. He's not afraid to trade that first-round pick. He's not afraid to get rid of some assets because that team and that organization is built that good. Uh, incredible. Uh, hats off to Jim Rutherford.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got to take advantage of the window that you have with Crosby and Malkin here. So how long that's going to remain open as a legitimate Stanley Cup contender... Nobody knows, maybe another year, another two, maybe three, who knows. So, yeah, you sell a farm to try and capitalize on that. Um, With that said, this is basically Pittsburgh's only move that they're going to be able to make, at least significant move that they're going to be able to make this deadline. They've given up their first rounder, uh, potentially. They gave up their number one prospect. So unless Rutherford can pull it Rabbit out of his ass. This is pretty much going to be it for Pittsburgh, and it's a real solid fit for Minnesota. The thing I want to talk about, yeah, Galchenyuk is kind of a—he was in Sullivan's doghouse. He's playing on a fourth line. He's not going to produce there, so he's going to get top six minutes in Minnesota. See if he can rebuild his value at least a little bit. Get a one-year prove a deal over the summer or something. But the thing I wanted to highlight was Pittsburgh has been after Zucker since over the summer. And just to show you the difference in leadership and kind of vision that Billy Guerin is bringing to Minnesota versus Paul Fenton, this summer the trade that was talked about was Zucker uh, going to Pittsburgh for Kessel and Jack Johnson. Hmm. They would have traded Zucker and brought on all of that salary cap commitment to Minnesota for a team that is in desperate need of a retool. And then Fenton's gone. They bring in Garen and they get a, probably a first round pick. They get a lottery ticket in Galchenyuk, who you can even take him out of the equation for the return. And then they get a defense prospect, offensive minded, right hand shot. Kind of reminds me of like a Tony D'Angelo, just like reading a report and seeing some of the uh, film on him. That's a pretty good haul when you could have had a 30 something year old Kessel and a 30 something year old way past his prime Jack Johnson on your team instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I know we wanted to get into was how in Columbus, the Seth Jones injury, he's going to be out for about 10 weeks uh, after having ankle surgery and how that impacts Columbus's playoff chances here in the Metro and Eastern Conference. But I know you wanted to talk about your boy and goal, Elvis Roslikens, or however you would like to say it. Uh, has been on a roll, 960 save percentage, sub-1 goals against average, I think, over the last five or six starts, just running away with the number one job in Columbus.
1: Running away with it, leads the league in shutouts with five, Uh, goals against, he's fourth, save percentage, he's first at 930 in the league. Like, I... Couldn't even say this guy's name at the beginning of the year. I laughed. Uh, uh, oh, Mazurkalins or whatever it was. Uh, Elvis is in the building. He hasn't left people. And what a player. I am blown away by the performance this kid has come and put on. And one thing when you look at Columbus now is you had Corpusalo this year at 115 going into the end of the year restricted and then you had Elvis there at 874 going into at the end of the season being restricted as well so they're gonna lock up both of these goalies long term or deal one of them because I mean I I think the only thing with Corpus now is people are gonna have to see him come back and play so they can I guess be reassured that that knee is okay yeah with it though this kid, like, I I can't believe it. I this kid is carrying this team into the playoffs. It, insane, and obviously, I don't want to go into a Jordan Binnington thing because I mean, just off of last year, that's the big name of a worst to first caliber. But Columbus right now, currently, fifty seven games played, thirty seventeen and ten for seventy points. Their goal differential is only nine plus nine but you have no to offense. figure uh, yeah just you just have to figure that he is this good and he's keeping them that much afloat seven one and two in their last ten elvis mazurkalens man wow yeah i mean like you said
0: corpus Allo and Ruslikins are all both rfa at the end of the year uh i mean he's isn't a come-out-of-nowhere kind of story. I mean, he was a third-round pick. So He's 25 years old. I think he's turning 26 uh, in April at some point. So it took a little bit for him to get going, come over to the States and everything, but uh, this definitely isn't a flash in a pan, I don't think. I don't think he's going to play this well his entire career. Obviously, he'd be fucking Patrick Waugh. But uh, they might have something, and they still have a goalie prospect behind the two of them that is playing really well. So between the talent and goal, the depth on defense that they have, especially when Jones is healthy and the system that Torch runs, they're going to be kind of like the Islanders where they're never going to be out of it in terms of playing for a playoff spot. They may not be at the top of the division, but they for the most part won't be at the bottom because of that baseline that the defensive structure and goaltending gives them. It's just a matter on if they can capitalize offensively and how much different would this team look if they were able to keep... I know Panarin was gone. He wasn't re-signing. But if they were able to keep Duchenne, I feel like that changes the complexion of this roster.
1: It definitely changes the complexion. Let me give you a complexion another way. What if they were able to re-sign Bobrovsky? We never even hear of it's because mm. Corpusalo is the backup. And look how Bob's playing in
0: Florida this year, man.
1: Yeah, I am... A... I, I don't know, man. It's <laughs> goaltending, goaltending. But the question I have for you with Columbus—they're currently in that wild card spot. Do you think they're able to hold on here with the loss of Seth Jones? Just, That's I mean, just like I know Mazurklins is playing out of his mind, but you look at that decor now: Wierenski, Savard, Nunez, Scott, Harrington. Vladislav Garikov and Andrew Peak, like after Wawrensky Savard, that drops off big time.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, they're still they still haven't separated themselves with Morzlikin's playing out of his mind.
1: That's true. So, yeah.
0: So if he, if and when he starts playing more towards the mean they're in trouble because Carolina still there. The Islanders are still there. The Flyers are still there. And combine that with Jones being out for basically the rest of the regular season or for most of the regular season, I I still think they finish better than Philly. I just don't know if – and Carolina is missing Dougie Hamilton, but they still have more components to that roster that can make up for that, especially offensively. But they're also weaker on goals. So – I think it's going to come down to Carolina and Columbus because I think the Islanders are guaranteed a spot. Uh, I think it's going to be a race between Columbus, Carolina, Florida, and Toronto for those two spots.
1: Yeah, that last spot in the Atlantic, too. It goes yeah. from uh, Toronto, who is in number three, and then the next Atlantic team is Florida in Wild Card four. So legitimately, you could go from into a playoff spot to two spots out of one. So that's going to be a tough spot. Tough stretch down there for both teams trying to get that last spot.
0: Yeah, Montreal was making a little bit of a push, but Shea Weber is basically out. He's they don't even know if he's gonna be able to play again this year or ever. Shocker. Um so they were making a bit of a run, but I don't see that being sustained. It's it's mid February, folks. We're in it. It's a playoff race, so you know, you have a bad week, you can tank your season here. So I hope Elvis is able to keep this going here. I would love to see them have a rematch with Tampa Bay somehow in like the first or second round and see what happens there with that goaltending. But I don't think even if Columbus makes it they're gonna get out of the first round. But we said that last year.
1: That's very true, we did, and somebody ended up sweeping the lightning, so <laughs> shocked the world.
0: Um I know we've been, we talked about a few trades. Uh, we've mentioned a trade deadline that's coming up. I think now, before a lot of movement starts taking place around a league, uh, this week would be a good week for Kevin and I to kind of go through the Bruins and the Rangers and give a trade deadline preview for our teams. Uh, who's definitely staying? That's easier for you on your end. Uh, who's going? Who might go? what you might be looking for in return, some needs, things like that. So I know you were giddy to get after this. Uh, you had some notes even prepared for last week. So I, I can let you take off with that.
1: All right. Well, I mean, going into it, I don't think it's any shocker that the Bruins need to officially find. Oh, I'm going to say it, Ben, a second line, right, <laughs> right winger. winger. <laughs> well, I know it's <laughs> crazy. Like dude, it was like, you knew what I was going to say. Um, They're definitely in the hunt as to what Don Sweeney will or won't give up. That always seems to be the biggest factor here. Going forward, some targets that we have. Tyler Toffoli, there's a quote-unquote deal in Don Sweeney's pocket that's already done. All he has to do is call on it whenever he wants. I don't know how to feel about that because other teams knowing that, they will come and sweep the rug right out from underneath you. Yep. So, I mean, they've said it's been known that the Bruins basically have that deal, but they want to get the big fish. Allegedly, they want to go after Chris Kreider. I know that we've been trade partners a couple of times with Gordon coming over here from the Bruins organization, so there's definitely an open phone line there. There's a trust there. As to... What is it going to take to, like, land Chris Kreider? I mean, if Jason Zucker got that,
0: like, yeah, what, I mean, what do you guys think? Term.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like, what do you guys expect for Chris Kreider?
0: So I'm glad you brought that up because I don't think he, first of all, he's a a natural fit for you guys. He doesn't play right wing. He's a left winger. He's played that his entire career. Uh, he does kind of dabble on the right side a few shifts here and there, but he's not a natural right winger, and he's known for that headman pass, pick it up off the sideboards, and kind of cut through and cut towards the middle of the slot uh, on a rush. He's not going to be able to do that on a right wing. Like, it's just not what he's good at. So if you guys are looking at him, then you're basically looking at shifting over either Marshand or... The brusque to the right side, and I don't know if you guys are comfortable with that either. Yeah, no. Yeah, so I mean, even if you guys, okay, just to answer the question, you guys want Kreider, you don't care about him playing on his off wing on the right side, we're not trading him for at least a conditional first round pick. That's the bare minimum. Um, and it's not based on if you guys resign him or not because he's going to the market. It's based on if you guys make the conference final or Stanley Cup, something like that. We don't want a prospect that's in juniors or in Europe. You need somebody that's either on the roster now, that's young and has on a cheap, like a ELC or something, or is in the A and is just pushing for a spot, but there's no room for you guys. So that's the bare minimum. Uh, for Kreider and I know there's like eight teams that are reportedly after him so I feel like we can get we can top that offer so I don't know I know I think ESPN mentioned uh, Anders Bjork as part of a deal I don't know how I feel about that He's kind of comes off to me as a fourth lines like not physical but not a great score type of guy so I don't know how to feel about
1: that what would you give up
0: you have your pick you make your offer right now I'll tell you if I'm good with it
1: all right I mean, obviously we can both agree no matter what the first rounder is going. That's yeah. That's fact. You go a little deeper into it. I mean, if you're looking for a guy who's on the roster that can play, Danton Heinen. The boy I, that you hate. The boy that <laughs> I hate. It's it's like the most fucked up scenario because for a guy who is in the doghouse here constantly and and i and i don't mean the coach's doghouse he's actually currently there but <laughs> usually just with fans as to they don't see his value they don't understand this they don't understand that that for a guy of his caliber he's actually one of our biggest trade chips which is strange you look down at the miners as to guys that are going i mean i don't think trent frederick is available that that's just not okay. going to happen I don't think Jakob Lako, I don't think Jack Stadnika. I mean, if you wanted a Zach Seneshin, maybe. I mean, another one of those 15 draft picks that didn't work out. Uh, the back end, I mean, obviously they're going to keep Vakenainen, but I think anybody else down there might be worthwhile. So it's just interesting to me as to what is in play or what isn't on, on the Bruin side of things. Cause I, I just think that you have to keep some of your guys for certain reasons. Yeah. Now we have, uh, Jeremy Lozon who ended up getting suspended this week. He's not there. So currently we only have six defensemen on the roster. Krug, McAvoy, Carlo, Moore, Chara and Grizzlick. None of those guys are going at least not right now. Um, yeah. So, I mean, maybe just, Kreider in us isn't that, a good trade. Yeah, just, just put them.
0: that on ice. If I'm the Rangers, if I don't get a first or a conditional first and one of Frederick and or
1: Syndica, there's no deal. Okay, so no deal. Kreider's not coming here.
0: Yeah, like, just from what I've been hearing, the Oilers are interested in them. They're offering... Uh, McLeod plus another prospect plus a first rounder for Kreider the Canucks are dangling Tyler Madden in a first round pick Um, yeah the Rangers need help up front we have a shit ton of defense prospects and that's a good thing to have you can even start moving some of them potentially in a year or two but we're kind of lacking up front mostly on the left wing and center so that's why I was kind of looking at Frederick or Stanika.
1: Yeah, I think, unfortunately, that's the future for us, so those have yeah. to stay here. Um,
0: that's perfectly fine. I have right. another question for you. Yes. What kind of winger do you think would work well for that second-line spot? Do you need a physical guy, like a Nathan Horton with Krejci, or are you looking for like another kind of playmaker?
1: See, that that's like one of the hardest things, because David Krejci, his whole career, when he had Milan Lucic on one side, and whether it was... Nathan Horton or Jerome Ginla, just somebody else on that right side who is a little bit bigger of a body, it always seemed to work out. And uh-huh. going forward, I mean, David Krejci last year in points was up there for one of the team leaders. It's just he, the consistency's a little bit off, and I think the biggest thing is he doesn't have that guy to go to. But even without him, he, he's still a very quiet guy, and he's getting the job done. As for what I think, I think you have to go someone who is a faster kind of guy, someone that can shoot. I don't think you need the physicality factor just because he doesn't have it on the other side either with DeBrusque.
0: Mm. So so
1: it's not like this is something he completely needs I saw another name dangled out there, a former ranger and Jimmy Vc. Who, y- you know what? If it cost us the fourth round pick, might as well, right, to bring him here. I mean, I I don't see any harm in it. I, I don't see him being worse than fucking Danton Heinen. Yeah,
0: yeah, he would at least be noticeable physically.
1: Yeah, and I mean, when I first saw Vc when he was first at Harvard, he's big. Like he he's a big you, you can see the difference in him compared to a couple of other guys. So if he could come in, play the right wing, which he's comfortable with, go up and down his wing. I'm not saying run guys over, be physical, bump into bodies, go to the front of the net like good things will happen. And I know he's unrestricted at the end. Is he unrestricted or restricted? I think he's unrestricted. I think he's unrestricted. So, I mean, if it costs us minimal, then so be it. Um, One other person, since we're talking about the physicality side that has been brought up, is Josh Anderson with Columbus. Mm. Me, personally, I don't want him just because of how injury-prone he's been this year. Like, I just don't feel comfortable paying whatever the market price is for someone like Anderson and then having a whole Rick Nash situation again. So I would personally stay away from it. On the D end, the one person I have heard, which has been a rumor, is Brendan Dillon from San Jose. I don't know what they would want or need. I know that in the minors we do have some goaltending. Maybe that's something they look at. I also wouldn't want to give that up just for a rental player. But at the same time, I mean, Kevin Miller was quote-unquote close last year in the Stanley Cup final to returning. We are almost three-quarters of the way through this season, and he still hasn't played a game this year. He's not walking through that door. So if we bring in a Brandon Dillon, Brendan Dillon, I'm sorry, is he even going to play? Yeah. Like, Krug, McAvoy, Carlo, Moore, Chara, Grizzlick, Moore's kind of jumped around between Clifton and Lozon. So, I mean, we even have a couple of guys on the back end. Would he play? I don't know, but do you want him there just for that grit and toughness? I mean, this is a team that lost the Stanley Cup because they kind of got bullied a little bit. They got bullied by a bigger team. So maybe they want that guy there. I just I just don't know what market is for guys and I'm not giving up a first round pick for Brendan Dillon. No. So it's like do they want a prospect, like another a young D prospect? Do they want a pick? Like I would just have to know what the market is set at for me to say yes I would or no I wouldn't. And that's what makes the trade deadline the worst thing, because a lot of the trades when they start happening. It's later on in the day because someone needs to move a domino or two needs to fall for someone to see what people are going for or what people want to hold their thing for. Because the year with Louis Erickson and the Bruins, it came out that the Bruins had decided on their end, Louis Erickson was worth a first round pick. And that's what they needed to get offered to get rid of Louis Erickson. They got offered a second, not a first. They did not make the trade. Mm. granted I know Louis Erickson went on to Vancouver and he's been awful and that, that part of it is irrelevant I'm just saying that certain teams hold whatever their return is at a certain level and if they don't get it are they willing to budge and some people are not and that's kind of the way the cookie crumbles at times
0: just to kind of recap the Bruins here I'm just trying to brainstorm for that second line right wing spot two names for you you know not just yay in terms of interesting or hell no. Mike Hoffman.
1: I would be interested. Yes, I would.
0: Because he plays the right side. I know he's not a big physical type guy, but. He scores fucking goals. Yeah, 25, 30 goal score on that wing might not hurt. And I don't know the likelihood of this happening just because of the franchises. But what about Kovalchuk?
1: See, that is a name who actually just got brought into the mix. Um, it was about, yes. will
0: trade them to you guys?
1: I think depending on where they are in the standings, yes. I just think the only thing would be what they want return-wise.
0: Yeah. And,
1: I mean, I, I don't think the Bruins would be going a certain way, would they not? I mean, currently Montreal, 61 points, and they are in the fifth wild card spot. Uh, The closest team they could jump would be Toronto at 66 in the third Atlantic spot. So that's the closest they are to the playoffs right now. I think things would have to plummet a little bit more for them. But at the same time, I mean, they got Kovalchuk for nothing. They pay him nothing. Yep. So on
0: a a second round pick.
1: I would give them a second-round pick to see what happens, yes.
0: Well, it's nice to be in your position where you have one hole and maybe looking for some depth on defense as you chase another Stanley Cup appearance. For the Rangers, it's selling at the deadline, hopefully for the last time, which is why I think they're looking not for a bunch of draft picks and prospects that are 18 years old in Europe and in college. They're looking for guys that are NHL ready or in NHL already. Just to eliminate some guys. Panarin's not going anywhere. Zibanejad's not going anywhere. Uh, Kalko's not going anywhere. Truba and Fox aren't going anywhere. And Shesterkin isn't going anywhere. So you can just eliminate those guys. The guys that I think they're actively trying to move, uh, Jesper Faust, upcoming free agent, he plays right wing, right-hand shot, uh, He plays up and down a lineup. He doesn't embarrass himself in the top six. He's a great penalty killer, more of a third, fourth-line guy. Any playoff team would probably be excited to have him for the playoff run. Uh, obviously, Kreider, I know they've been talking about an extension. Even if they come together and have a good few talks about okay what do you want in terms of parameters for an extension I still trade him and then just go into the summer saying we're going to trade you because we're going to get a nice haul for you and then we're going to give you that contract over the summer on July 1st and then we have you and what we got back for you and now we're even more ready to contend next year so I think that should be the way they should go with Crowder even if he's willing to sign a team-friendly deal uh, Ryan Strom he has arbitration rights at the end of the year. He's playing center. He, like I said last week, is horrendous defensively, which is why teams have always shifted him to the right wing. So he has versatility there. I'm leaning more inclined if the team makes a, dec- makes a good offer to move him just because I'm afraid on they keep him. They go to arbitration after a career year. He's on pace for 70 points. He gets a $5 million reward and then he reverts back to the 30, 40 point a year guy and now the Rangers are stuck with that contract and nobody wants to give up anything for him at next year's deadline. So I think the risk reward there is kind of what's in play. Uh, I don't trade Buchnevich unless you get a great offer. On the back end, here's here's where it's going to be fun. Mark Stahl, if a team wants him, We'll pay half his salary. Thanks for everything, Mark. We'll see you later. Tony D'Angelo, his name is in rumors because he has arbitration this summer, and he's, I think, fourth in the league in scoring among defensemen. Right-hand shot, feisty. I keep him. Now, it's going to be tough to keep him without moving Brady Shea, and that's a guy that I'm actively moving if I'm on the Rangers. He's not a first-pair guy. He's solid as a number three, number four guy. A left-hand shot can play to PK, can kind of fill in on a power play. I know he's signed long-term, which should help his value a little bit. You look at a team that needs help on a back end, kind of make, make something fit there. Take his money that you save, give that to Tony D over the summer. Um, also frees up some room on the left side for all of our left-hand defense prospects like Libra Hayek, uh, Rykov, um, even a guy like Andre Miller, uh, who was a first-round pick a couple years ago? He's kind of knocking on the door in college, so a lot of room there. And then in goal, Shosturkin has already taken over the number one spot for the Rangers. Uh, Lundqvist is no longer the number one goaltender. Uh, at best, he's one A, which means unless Hank wants to go you have three goaltenders. And if Hank doesn't want to go, you have to trade uh, Georgiev. And I think uh, rumors were him going to Toronto for a while. That obviously isn't happening after the Campbell trade. But if you're San Jose and you're looking for a quick turnaround, especially when you get healthy over the summer, you got to improve in goal. And I don't think you can do worse than a 25-year-old goaltender who's shown glimpses of being a capable at least an average starting goaltender in this league that's going to be signed pretty cheap for the next year or two so if you can trade him maybe even for a bank out of san jose do that one for one get it done with so the rangers are finally kind of turning that corner where yes they're still selling pieces at the deadline but it's more so how can we trade these guys for pieces that are going to help us next year um and get a ball rolling for playoff contention because they're not going to be doing it. If we're selling at the deadline next year, David Quinn is out of a job. So I'll just put that out there. Um, and just a highlight for any potential trade packages, they're going to be wanting forwards. We are stacked in a back end, at least prospect wise. We have Schuber Fox and D'Angelo on a right side and NHL already. We have Lingren, Hayek, Rykov, all these guys on the left side as prospects. We, we're probably looking at wingers and centers, uh, especially if it's a young, big-bodied center uh, that can kind of replace what we thought we were getting with Leas Anderson. Um, anything like that, that's what the trade packages should hopefully be built around if I'm the Rangers.
1: I, I got a question for you because you brought up the goaltending part of it. So say Hank doesn't want to go this year. Uh-huh. But you said he's already been surpassed by Shashurkin. So with that, next year he's on your books for 8.5. The other one's still on an entry level at 9.25. Obviously, you're going to try to find a place for Georgiev. I get that. But say next year comes along at the end of it. Now Hank wants to go somewhere for a for a chance at the cop. You deal him at the deadline. Now you just got Shashurkin. I mean, th- does that scare you a little bit I mean who could end up being his backup yeah I mean
0: let's say the Rangers are not in contention next year and they're trading Hank first of all that's a disastrous season I think as for the organization that means they failed to come even even come close to meeting expectations that means Quinn should be out of a job um, if Hank's wanting out because he says he's fine with not being the main guy anymore but he's not okay with three goaltenders so that's why they kind of got to clear this up if they end up not trading georgiev at the deadline then things get interesting over the summer in terms of does hank go to the rangers and say i'm not doing this again like i'm not going to camp as one of three goaltenders so that's the only caveat i'll throw in there but if they trade Lundqvist at dead on next year. I mean, at that point, certain he's a workhorse. He's played a shit ton in Russia. He was the number one in Harvard uh, the half season he was there this year. I w- wouldn't be that nervous about playing him 60 games next year and then just kind of filling in a back end with these run-of-the-mill backups. Like You can pull off the streets like a McElhinney, a Hutchinson. You can find a Jack Campbell on your seat cushions. So I wouldn't be too crazy worried about that. And then for the future, you have goaltending prospects, Tyler wall, who's played well on uh, college. Um, even a guy like, uh, Lindbaum, who's playing pretty well in Europe, uh, might be able to come over and fill that backup role.
1: All right. I'm, I'm just worried for you guys. That's all. I mean,
0: here's the worst case scenario. The Rangers trade Georgiev at the deadline. And, and then the summer comes around and then Hank wants out over the summer. And then we trade or buy him out over the summer. And then Shosturkin regresses next year. It's like some type of slump or he doesn't play well, he's injured. And then goaltending is the reason why the Rangers don't make the playoffs next year.
1: Oh, that would be that'd be a killer, yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's the worst-case scenario for the Rangers in the goaltending position.
1: All right. Um, where do we want to go now? Uh, I guess...
0: Just really quickly, I had these two thoughts in my mind that I wanted to uh, touch on. I think that there's going to be a very well, not surprise. I think there's going to be a surprise team that's going to be actively selling at the deadline this year that people might not be expecting that from, and that's Nashville. I think Nashville is ready to tear their shit down. They fired their coach. They still haven't turned it around. They're on the outside looking in. They've lost a couple games in a row. They're just it's the same team that they had under LaViolette. So now you know it's not the coach. There's something going on in terms of the makeup of this team. Not, not mentally or like in a locker room, just like the on-ice chemistry isn't working. So I can see them moving some guys. Um, Granlin's a free agent at the end of the year, 27. He hasn't really worked out in Nashville. I can see him on a move. Craig Smith is a guy that might fit well on a playoff team. You look at some Nick Bonino. I think he would fit well on a lot of playoff teams. He only has one year left in his deal as well. And then Pecorino, you know, he's having a below average year. He's 37 years old. He signed for one more year at 5 mil. But I wouldn't, especially if Nashville is going to either lessen their demand or choose some of that salary up, I would take a flyer on him for next year if I'm a team that's hoping to contend next year. So I think Nashville is going to be a surprise team. And I have one trade prediction, just because I was looking at the LTIR calculations. Toronto with Riley on the long-term injury reserve, a couple other guys, they have about $8 million to play with at the deadline this year because of that. I'm calling P.K. Subban to Toronto. Wow. And then it can have Subban, Riley, Dermot, Muzzin, uh, Sandine, all these guys the playoffs once there's no salary cap they can spend a hundred million guys if they wanted to
1: all right well one question though you call him going there which I think is ballsy I kind of like it but on the other end does it make you nervous at least Toronto because he's locked up long term so do you think it would be like a double PK Subban trade in a sense because then once they're out at the draft or something he's packing his shit and he's going again well I can see
0: the only issue I have with that is, so CC's gone at the end of the year on that freeze up, at I think about $5 million, almost $5 million in salary. So I know Subban's making, I think, which is, uh, at AAV, do you know off the top of your head? I think it's nine, I believe. Nine? Like Ten, hold on. Yeah, I think it's nine. If I remember from his trade over the summer, I think it's nine mil. So he has, after this year, two years, $18 million up in this deal, essentially. Eat half of that, get him the fuck out if he doesn't work out, or you need the cap space, or even just buy him in the fuck out. So you're trying to win a cup for the first time, and forever in Toronto, you're able to, it's like a unique opportunity to take on a big contract for a team that has cap issues, just because of the long-term cap manipulation that they're able to do here. Why Why not take a run at it? see what happens and then worry about the summer of the summer.
1: That's true. Hey, when you get there, you get there and figure it out then. Yeah. So there's just some
0: off the wall thought that I had. I didn't really put extensive thought into the long term ramifications. I just thought it'd be, uh, cool to see Subban in a medium market like Toronto.
1: I mean, he's from that area. I- I'm sure he wouldn't mind going back in the least. It, <laughs> it would probably be a circus with, uh, all his playoff shenanigans in the past of the, the scope and the Listerine and all that. So I mean, it would definitely <laughs> be a, definitely a show to watch. Um, I know we
0: would usually transition to the Rangers and Bruins. We in review, but I want, I only have one thing for Rangers this week. So I feel like it would only make sense if you focused on, you texted me about this, the kind of, Irritation you had towards Bruins fans about the Arizona Coyotes game with the Kraus hit on, I believe it was McAvoy, right? Yes, it was the and a reaction to that.
1: I I just hate that the Bruins' way of going about it. Like, did Jeremy Lozon hit Derek Stepan in the head? Yes. Did he get called for? five minutes and it shouldn't have been? Yes. Did Lawson Krause come down the wing and completely extend his elbow out and elbow McAvoy in the head and it was a lot more vicious than the other one? Yes. Did he only get two minutes and not get kicked out and not any something? Like, yes. It's like fucking Bruins fans, they don't want to help us because we're the best in the league. We're the Bruins. It's like, on a serious note, Referees miss things. I, I get it. And they went and they reviewed the lows on hit and then they deemed it to be worth the five minute major. I thought it should have just been a contact to the head penalty. He ends up getting a two game suspension. No prior history with the league. Unfortunate. It's just the whining part of the Bruins thing. If Krauss doesn't get anything, this is fucking rigged. It's bullshit like dude it sucks I get it like you know what it sucks too is that Charlie McAvoy gets fucking lit up every game like legitimately the kid is like I don't even know how he still plays like every other game McAvoy's going down either he's getting hit in the head or he's blocking a shot and I'm like can we back up the Brinks truck for this kid if we don't even know how long he's going to make it yeah but Bruins fans as a whole, for such a rough and tumble city, like, my God, some of the biggest fucking crybabies I've ever met <laughs> in my life. Like, I, I can't listen to it. It it kills me. And there was one guy who was doing a Facebook Live, and I'm listening in, and it's such bullshit. You know, the the league's just out to get us. But It's like, get us how? Like, doing what? Like, he hit him in the head. Like, Lozon was finishing a check, and he ended up coming through him the other way. I do think it was partially the angle he took because he's coming up straight. He was going to hit him there regardless whether he moved or he didn't move. That was where he was finishing his check. And it's like, oh, yes. Roger Goodell is is on the, the Patriots. He's on the Bruins. Like... I don't know, man. I just wish that take your punishment and move on. It it sucks. I know. Should have should have been called the other way, yes, but it doesn't. Sometimes that's life. Like deal with it. Be be adults. Be grown ups. I I can't wipe up tears. I I can't keep paddling down this river that everyone's crying. I can't do it.
0: For me, and the Rangers, I kind of touched on this in the deadline preview. Igor is the number one now. He's played extremely well since his call-up. He has a 9-3 save percentage with the Rangers. He's won 101 of, I think, actually it's 120 of the last 125 starts he's made in KHL, AHL, and NHL. Um, But the thing I want to mention is the Rangers are playing now against Winnipeg. Uh, Shosturkin started a goal. He took a hit. Uh, high uh, shoulder to the side of the neck slash head went down kind of hard. It uh, looked like he twisted his leg more than anything, and the con- concussion spotter pulled him from the game. And at first, he refused to go because he's like, My head's fine. So Hank's in goal now, and I'm Hank. If Hank was in goal, he would have refused to leave too, and still would never have left. But I'm curious to see. This is a rule that I think needs refinement, especially for goaltenders, because can you imagine this is, okay, a playoff game. It's game seven, Tampa versus Boston at TD Garden, tied 0-0 midway through the third. Tuca takes a slap shot off the helmet, and then a concussion spotter requires him to leave the game. Yeah. Like, what would happen?
1: Yeah, then
0: Like, I would, I would refuse to leave. <laughs> So I think that needs to be refined a little bit, um, but I'll see what happens as this game drags on. If Shosturkin is able to come back, or what the fallout is if he's not. So, um, and Crowder just scored, helping his trade value. Next, let's go into our picks. Let's wrap this bad boy up. Uh, picks of the week, game of the week, lock of the week. And I have some little bit for today in NHL history.
1: All right, uh, game of the week Thursday night Washington at Colorado uh two teams that could be the stanley cup final so i think that'd be really good just to watch out for uh i'm not saying this just because they're my team but at the end of the game on sunday after the bruins lost to detroit there's a little chippiness between uh chris wagner and tyler bertuzzi on a hit to robbie fabry that took him out of the game he did not return I thought it was a clean hit. It was a clean hit. Nothing was called on the play. No further discipline, but everyone came together at the end of that game. We'll see if there's any carry over for my lock of the week. I will be in attendance at MSG on Sunday. <laughs> I'm hoping to come out of there one and one. So the Bruins over the Rangers and the beer always tastes better. When Benny buys it,
0: <laughs> um, my game of the week is also on Thursday. Uh, February 13th, I'm going to go with a potential first-round matchup out west, the St. Louis Blues on a road against the Vegas Golden Knights. My lock of the week, same night, Thursday, February 13th. I'm going out on a limb here, Kev. I'm going lock of the week, the Red Wings over the New Jersey Devils in New Jersey.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Try to take that unexpected W. As far as Sunday... I am in no position to guarantee a win of the New York Rangers over the Boston Bruins this season, as well as guaranteeing the flavor of the beer sold at MSG.
1: Oh, I can only imagine flavors there. You guys, <laughs> you guys are a little fruity. I can only imagine.
0: Um, so for today in initial history, I got three going all the way back to 1950. Uh Gordy Howe scores three goals for his first career NHL hat trick. He also has two assists in the Detroit Red Wings' nine four win against the Boston Bruins in nineteen eighty four. Al Arbour becomes the fifth coach in NHL history to reach five hundred career wins, and in twenty seventeen, the King Henrik Lundqvist becomes the twelfth goalie in NHL history with four hundred victories.
1: I like it. Who you got for shout outs this week?
0: Shout outs, first lady. uh, as always. And I'm also going to give a shout-out. I know you wanted to touch on this uh, earlier, but we kind of got wrapped up with the trade stuff. Shout-out, get well, Connor McDavid. Hopefully this doesn't tank the Oilers because I was kind of looking forward to seeing McDavid in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, this should be very interesting. I did pick them being in the playoffs. Uh, they do not have a very easy road right now. Currently sitting in second in that Pacific uh, but Vegas right behind them at 64 currently in wildcard one is Calgary at 64 right behind them and wildcard three is Arizona at 63 so it is definitely going to be an uphill battle for the Oilers to say where they are so hopefully that all works out uh, as for me and shout outs this week I am going to give a huge shout out to uh, Mr. Murphy who is bringing all the boys back together on Sunday I do Don't know if he is ready for this. I don't know if he can handle it. I'm extremely intrigued to find out. I might have to bring the mixer. We might have to do a big live pod after the game to see what happens. Maybe we'll get some old school stories from Kevin Murph. We will see where this takes us. There's no guarantees. It could be extremely sloppy, so we might not even record it. We will see what happens.
0: Uh, yeah, we'll see how sloppy it gets, at least on my end, uh, since I have some engagements on Monday morning, but I will definitely be along at least for the ride.
1: Oh, this is, this is a green light. If I ever had one, um, (laughs) I, I get 24 hours in New York to make it happen, baby. I'm getting after it. Well, everybody, as always, thank you for listening, and uh, tune in next week for another jam-packed episode of Dos Cinco y Diez. Adios, adios.